Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. I'm Pat Nevin. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. That's right. We are back, Chelsea fans, with another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, continuing the summer series with another preseason match, this time away at Reading. We'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, but right off the bat, I want to welcome in my compatriots, Nick, Dan, and Mike. Gentlemen, thank you for coming back and hanging out. Uh, but we have a guest, first time uh, guest, long time. We've been following you, George Benson, <laughs> joining us. How's it going, George? It's going very, very well. I managed to escape the uh, the wonderful Medeski Stadium, and I got back in time to shoot this podcast. I'm excited for this. That's fantastic. Thank you for having me. Clearly, you had an adventure today, and we will get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, real quick, kind of a general overview of this episode. We'll we'll talk about the midfield midfield challenge at Barkley and Mount or putting in front of Frank Lampard, the likelihood of Kennedy maybe playing a role in attack this year. And then the players who are after, well, several preseason matches look to be on their way out after what we've seen so far. 
Um, but uh, before we get into the kind of the reviews and everything, I think George would be fun to kind of walk through a couple questions with you in case our listeners are unfamiliar. Um, so Dan, I'll let you rifle off the first one. Yeah, well, for those who, who don't know who you are, George, which I would find it hard to believe, but we're going to operate in that that worldview for a moment. How did you come to be involved with supporting Chelsea? Well, the good news is I had absolutely no choice on the matter. Excellent. <laughs> my dad was a Chelsea fan, and I think it was uh, it was probably my birth, actually, which kind of ruined his entire uh, following for Chelsea. He was going home and away every single week uh, growing up when he was like in the probably like the 70s. He started late 70s and then the, uh, the, most of the 80s. And then I was born early 90s. So me coming along kind of ruined the uh, the Saturday afternoon for him, but with father duties. So I was brought into the Chelsea family. When was your first match? I'm, I'm sure he took you to the first match too, right? He did. He absolutely did. And there's a really funny story behind uh, my first my first match that I don't remember, I believe, was against Aston Villa in '99, and then the match, the first match that I do remember going to, was also against Aston Villa, and somehow we accidentally parked in the players' car park underneath Stamford Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my best early memories of being a Chelsea fan was being in this car park, and it was completely empty, and we're like, "Oh, great, we managed to get a space. This is fantastic!" Like. As a like a, a ten like nine ten year old boy, you think, oh, this is easy, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, JT twenty six, and then Makaleli had like this massive Hummer as well, and I was like, that's <laughs> Makaleli's car, and then I saw Damien Duff, and I was like, what? Like we we should not be in here, Dad. What have you done? Like who have you paid? Uh, so yeah, that that's interesting. So all of my early memories as a Chelsea fan were watching Aston Villa for some reason. And now, what, and now you have a real the- reason to. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping the family's way to do it. Clearly, your dad is light years ahead of most fans getting that extra access. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, Nick, go ahead uh, with another one. Oh, I was just going to ask, like, you've obviously done a really great job kind of cultivating a huge fan base on YouTube. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and the new channel that you started as well. Yeah, so I've been on YouTube for like eight and a half years, which is probably the majority of my adult life. I started it as a teenager at university, dropped out two of those to keep following like what I was interested in, which was making these videos. It started off as gaming. Then it kind of went into a comedy kind of thing. I'd say it was more like cringe and (laughs) self-deprecating to myself. (laughs) But moving from there, went on to FIFA, was in the FIFA scene for a while and then kind of got this urge to want to travel. And having built up a following, I kind of tried to translate the following into making travel videos. And it went well for quite a while. I ended up making a second channel at the time, uh, going into the football channel. It's like the third channel I've had. But the second channel built up quite a lot as well. So I was traveling full time with that, which was awesome. And uh, it kind of got to a point where I was struggling to balance all of my interests. And obviously football, since I've known any better, has been probably my number one love. It's been my number one passion. So trying to fit the whole kind of traveling lifestyle around with going to matches. Obviously, if you're in Indonesia, which is 17-hour flight away from London, you can't just pop back to go and watch Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Let's just use that as another example. Um, So yeah, it's kind of got to the point now where I've been doing that for a couple of years. I kind of want to jump back into the whole football thing. And I started this new football channel just with zero expectations. I just wanted it to be a place where I could just sit down and just let off steam if I was stressed about something to do with football, if I had like like an opinion that I thought people would care about. And now it's like I've set myself up and I've said I want to make a new video every single day. 
And I'm doing that right now, so we'll see if it stays. Hopefully it does, but momentum is in my favor. So yeah, I'm really enjoying myself. No, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's always, if you can get to a video a day, like you're on a sustainable model, you've got momentum behind that. Um, but that's awesome. Uh, and, you know, honestly, for those of our listeners who aren't out there, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, links in the description, we'll make sure we point you in the right direction as well as Georgia's social media. Uh, but Dan, I, I hope you've been resting up because now we're under the five star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and boy, oh boy, is it going to be a long one? Yeah, yeah, a ton of people leaving some five star reviews were awesome. We had Logan who was telling us that it's been helping him get through a six month military deployment in Southwest Asia. Uh, we had Jay Niz who was talking about how he's really appreciated uh, everything we've kind of talked about. We had. Um, BMO34, who said he waited a year or he or she waited a year before actually leaving the review. So really built up some body of work before they actually gave the five stars. So we earned it. Well earned. Then we had uh, Vish710 saying we're awesome. Listen to you on the drive to work. We had Big Dog Fred talking about he was trying to find one that focuses a podcast on Chelsea for a while now. Glad he came across this one. And then P-Man4 of all the podcasts he listens to. This is the one by far that he looks out for the most. So just a lot of really excellent love on the Apple Podcast Store right now. Thank you for that. And leave another five-star review, and we'll hook you up with a shout-out at the start of the next show. And more shout-outs. A huge one to Andrew and Eli for jumping on our Patreon, supporting us. Uh, we appreciate you guys, so thank you so much. And then Nick, uh, I see you've been admiring my hat all episodes so far. I, I have been admiring your hat indeed. Um you guys know that we just concluded our kind of the first wave of our talisman partnership. We did a, a little giveaway. Uh, we're excited to do uh, another activation in August, uh, right as we head into the Premier League season. In the meantime, and in between time, uh, go to talismancaps.com. Uh, use the code LondonBlue10 for ten percent off thirty-five dollars. Uh, they're just—it's quality stuff. Look at Brandon's hat. Look at that thing. It's just—it's. For, for those who are listening to it as it's a perfect. podcast, we it's a great do a audio video recording. Dan. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Dan. You get you out of my section, Brandon Dan. Brandon is pointing to the hat. Did I, did I interrupt your five-star review section, Dan? Hmm? No. Hey, don't worry. Because I did it translates on... perfectly from audio to audio. <laughs> yeah. We'll be posting the unboxing video on YouTube very soon, so you'll be able to check it out in person there. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got something maybe with World Soccer Shop coming in the very near future as well. You guys know that we have done World Soccer Shop uh, partnerships for, what, almost three and a half years now. Yeah. Um, we are excited to announce that we'll be doing something with them. It's a little sneak peek into kind of the week leading up to the season, uh, doing some sort of contest and hopefully having a, uh, a new kit to talk about and some, some giveaways to do. So that's all coming soon. Lots happening. Let's go. I love it. All right. Uh, well, here we go. Match review time. We got all the business stuff out of the way, all the, all the fun giveaway stuff for all you listeners out there. Uh, so, yeah, Reading FC, preseason friendly. Back in the books at the Majeski Stadium. Uh, let's see, we've got the date. The final score was Chelsea 4, Reading 3. Um, before we get into the lineups, though, because unfortunately, uh, George, you said it's a bit of an interesting afternoon. So before we can get into the match review, kind of walk us through what your experience was at the stadium today. Yeah, it was an interesting one. The Medeski's like a 30-minute drive away from where I live, so it was kind of a chilled one to get to. And I saw on social media beforehand that they suggested that people arrive like an hour and a half, two hours early, which is 
kind of like, I guess, a safety thing. It's like you don't want anyone to be waiting outside, right? You don't want to have to delay the kickoff by 15 minutes or, <laughs> God forbid, leave half of the stadium outside. So uh, I didn't expect that to happen, but we got there about two o'clock, which was an hour before kickoff. And I looked around and it was like a it was like a line around the entire perimeter of the stadium. I was like, what, is this like a walking tour of the outside of the Medeski? It's not that nice. Like, what, what's the point in this? Turns out it was the line for ticket collections, which a lot of the people did. And I think a lot of people also decided to turn up on the day and try and buy tickets. So we stood there in this line and I'm walking up and I'm just saying, like, how long have you been queuing? And some people have been in this line for an hour and a half, like 90 minutes to pick up a ticket. So obviously I'm there and I'm thinking, crikey, like if people actually do turn up late, like God forbid someone misses the train and actually turns up late to a football match, what are they going to do? So I put it on Twitter and then all of a sudden all these Reading fans are like, did you not see? We said like, it's going to be a bit of a wait today. You're going to have to, and all this stuff. I'm thinking like, come on, this is a shambles. Like, I don't I don't care what your excuse is about like a printer or a lack of staff. Like this is 2019. Just put it on a flipping barcode and send it to my iPhone. Like, Oh, nightmare. So I ended up getting in like 28 minutes late. I heard the Reading fans, uh, let's, I won't call it screaming, I'll call it like uh, breathing heavily when they scored. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Ross Barkley's free kick went in and the stadium erupted because that was just a beautiful goal. And uh, yeah, then I made it in after that. So great. I don't think I'm getting a refund either. So not happy. Huh. Man, that's uh, obviously they're still trying to get their lives figured out in preseason i guess it happens off the pitch as well as on the pitch but uh not a deal <laughs> obviously sounds I mean, like it's it's not as if they've hosted a football match before right george i was gonna say i was thinking like at what level of football does this become acceptable like if you just go down to like your local pub team on a saturday lunchtime maybe you can expect some issues with that like maybe someone doesn't bring the football and someone has to go home and get it but like we're talking about a team who have been in the Premier League like seven years ago, and we can't arrange a kickoff time. Like, it's been on. it's been a month since the season ended. Like, <laughs> how, how have you guys not figured it out? The whole ticketing, away yeah. fans go here, home fans go. Like, I don't know. That's well, wild. Man. We'll have to we'll have to reach out to Miazga halfway through the season, see how things are going in Reading for him. Absolutely. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Dan, you want to run us through the uh, starting lineup? Yeah, we had uh, Captain Willie Caballero, the most interesting individual recently to wear the armband. Uh, Zappa Costa, Christensen, Tomori, and Alonzo made up the back four. Then we saw Drinkwater and Bakayoko in a pivot situation. Everyone's the favorite pivot. Of Everyone's nightmares. favorite <laughs> The <pivot>. stuff of <laughs> nightmares. We saw Pulisic, Barkley, and Kennedy all behind Olivier Giroud as our initial first half lineup because we did the one half and then we did the second half lineup mike what about you uh you know seeing this lineup come out this morning uh probably a little bit of a surprise you you kind of expect a manager to kind of work their way towards their starting lineup as they get through preseason but it seems like there is still a huge change with Drinkwater and Bakayoko starting this match specifically. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the initial thought, but I look at it as we basically watched Last Chance You uh, for the first half in which... <laughs> Stealing my tweet. Stealing my tweet. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even look at it, so... Um, yeah, it's some bullshit. I don't, I'm not on Twitter much. Um, check out Instagram. It's the place to be. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, really, we... I think Frank made the smart decision in which he really, the important thing to us will be depth. Um, 
uh, or lack of that this season for us. And I think to really be able to see, can these guys cut it? it to me, I think it was unfortunate for uh, Giroux and, and Pulisic to be stuck with kind of the uh, the JV squad. But um, overall, kind of after our defensive performance in the second half, I don't know who you can call JV. So hmm. Yeah, interesting. George, any immediate reactions when you see the lineup on social media? Uh, do you know what? I thought I made a really stupid comment in my preview video when I said I expected Zappacosta and Kennedy to start along the right, but that kind of worked in my favor in the end. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I did look at it and I thought, again, similar to what Mike said, I think for, dr- for Drinkwater and Bakayoko, this was the last chance saloon. This was the moment that they had to give themselves 45 minutes of football to suggest whether or not they could just about cut it in the Chelsea squad next season. Uh, whether or not they did that is up for discussion. I'm sure we can go into it. But I, I look at that team there and I see the 11 that would play if our first 11 got sick apart from maybe full of sick and Barkley. <laughs> like team-wide food poisoning happens and then the, this is the 11 that makes out of the pitch absolutely yeah <laughs> it's always oh. it's always a little lasagna you got to be careful for that one <laughs> i feel like there's oh, a yes. bad story there brandon oh, boy. <laughs> um yeah it was liverpool wasn't it isn't that why they lost the league um, always seb c our buddy at seb c underscore uh says common feature for chelsea in preseason is to create overloads in the center with a lopsided attack. Pulisic inside to link up. Kennedy out wide to isolate fullbacks. The midfield two, one deep, the other looking for space with Barkley between the lines. Zapacosta narrow to keep balance. Um, I tell you what, it's just been exciting to see uh, Seb kind of come back into form and not just be <laughs> throwing um, slanderous tweets out and kind of defending his, his stances all the time. We're really getting to see the tactical breakdown from him, which is awesome because... You know, from a tactic standpoint, this guy knows his stuff, no doubt about it. Um, but real quick, uh, Mike, do you want to run us through the second half lineup and then we can react to some of the match stuff? Yeah, the only uh, player to come back onto the pitch was Willie uh, C. He came out. Um, we saw Dave take back the armband. Uh, Zuma and Louise were our center backs. We had Emerson on the left. Um, Jorginho and Kovacic back to the pivot. And then you had... Um, the three of Mount, Pedro, and actually, I'm sorry about that. Diamond. There wasn't a three because we yeah. had the diamond. Uh, Diamonds had, are uh, forever. You had Tammy and uh, Team Mishi uh, leading the, the line up top. Yeah. Uh, completely different look. I, you know, probably more along the lines of his starting lineup with a couple changes, I would say. But, um, you know, again, Dan, I'll let you run through Seb's tweet about the second half, talking about the diamond specifically. Yeah, it was just, you know, I mean, you think about it, it, the diamond can also play in, you know, Pedro is really just hanging out behind Mishi and Tammy waiting for an opportunity to advance forward and kind of create some additional pressure into the box. And with the pace that he's offering, you know, he really could be quite, quite dangerous in that capacity. And we saw the movement of Mount was also extremely helpful in interchanging a little bit as that advancing player out of that midfield four that we were having. Kovacic really um, and Jorginho really kept a little bit further back, weren't advancing the ball forward as much. But yeah, this was really interesting to see again the tactical flexibility of Lampard in the first couple matches of this preseason to understand that he is giving this team multiple opportunities to figure out how he can deploy his best personnel uh, all the time. Yeah, I mean, the commentary named this instead of a diamond, it was more of a a rhombus 
Um, <laughs> because it, it, it's it's what it's what Dan just said. It, when Kovacic holds back, it's not really it doesn't really act as a pure diamond. It it kind of is like a weird two 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 up the up the gut. So yeah, there's it was a it was an interesting formation to see because not only did Pedro kind of dance around um, and, and make some really good runs, but it allowed Mount to get forward too, and, and that ended up being quite nice. Yeah, George, between the four two three one and the four four two four diamond 2 um, is there any kind of differences that stand out to you or maybe one that you're kind of leaning towards you like better so far? I think the thing is I'd like to see the two strikers, but from what I have seen, I think Tammy and Mishy together, they're both trying to do their own thing a little bit too much to prove a point because I don't actually think they believe that they're both going to fit in the same side. Mm -hmm. So what I seem to see today, particularly in the second half, was that they were both trying to link up with one another when it was the last resort, and then when it was the last resort, they lost the ball. So when it was Mishy trying to find the pass to Tammy or Tammy trying to find the pass to Mishy to get a shot away, it just, it was something was missing. So... I want to see it work because I think it would make Chelsea a lot more dynamic and a far less predictable than what we may have seen last season, particularly over the last couple of years as well. And in Conte's second season as well, I think one of the things that we can say about Chelsea was we were so predictable. Um, but I think for me, the go-to, particularly because we've, we've not got the easiest start to the season, you know, United away, Leicester at home could potentially be a banana skin. They're looking like they've, they've strengthened a lot as well. And obviously Liverpool sandwiched in the middle of that as well. There's not going to be a lot of time to keep changing things and like, oh, is this going to work? Is that going to work? And from what I saw in the second half, even though if you split it into like this whole cliche game of two halves thing, we did win the second half, I think. Wait, was it two? We scored, it was two one at half time. Right. Or yeah. two two. Okay, so we didn't win the second half. It's just a complete <laughs> lie of a comment. Just ignore everything. It I've just sounded said. right though. It sounded good. <laughs> the confidence, your though, as we learned it anything for like the last couple of years amount. of social media, it's all about: Do you have the confidence to believe what you say? <laughs> and I just definitely didn't. So, <laughs> no, I think for me, the one striker with the three behind works and i think uh, you know like nick was saying like this whole rhombus shape thing i think we but we want to see either Jorginho and kovacic moving forward with the play but when they're both holding back it's we're kind of a little bit stuck i think at times yeah well from a statistics standpoint chelsea overwhelming with 69 percent possession uh 19 shots to reading's 13 seven on target to their six um, double their corners, you know, plenty more tackles and only one offside. So we're making progress on that. Uh, but I think the, the biggest, the biggest, I think, uh, debate, not probably not even debate discussion that Chelsea fans are really excited to have right now is Barkley versus Mount, especially if we play three across the top, um, who, who will essentially hold that maybe number 10 role a little bit, who in the middle of the three, assuming that maybe like a Pulisic and a William and Pedro can play out on the, the width a little bit more, everyone's kind of looking at Barkley and Mount. So um, right away, Barkley and Mount both had 45 minutes to make their case to Frank. Um, you know, who should be firmly in his plans? Barkley offered a first half goal from a free kick. That was a peach of a free kick. That was fantastic. Uh, Mount came on in the second half and interchanged well as well. Uh, he had a he had his first goal off a pass that Tammy had intercepted. So he is such a nuisance in the attack. And then lastly, Mount managed a second goal after Mishi intercepted a terrible pass from the keeper. Miazga played him on side and Mount slotted it at home. So again, um, kicking off this one, Nick, Mason Mount, Ross Barkley. Um, you know, the, the big question recently was, you know, is Mason doing enough to get on the team? Now everyone's going, 
well, he's on the team. Now, is he going to be a starter from the beginning or not? Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, they both have different characteristics, and you see them both kind of starring in preseason. You know, they're probably the biggest movers in preseason, I'd say, without a doubt, both of these guys. And what's nice uh, when you think about how they both play is Ross is obviously going to be more physical. He's going to be willing to... I think try and take on people a little bit more and Mason wants to pass and move. And he did that to great effect in the second half and got, you know, obviously got a little bit lucky with the complete shambles of goalkeeping um, that happened um, for the second one. But uh, it's really interesting to watch two players, one who has confidence from last season and working with Frank, the other who's been given a new lease on life under Frank at Chelsea and watch them both, Dan, take over and and try and make moves. I mean, it's what competition is designed to do within a squad. Yeah, I mean, we're and again, the only people who are going to benefit is Frank Lampard and all of Chelsea, because if we have Barkley and Mount both enjoying the competition and realizing that is there could even be space in this type of, you know, 4-4-2 four, four, uh, four, four, in the diamond where you play Mount outside, you play... Barkley kind of in that more central role and you can get both of them onto the pitch and I think if you're going to run with the hot hand as it were and preseason ends the way if we're ending today those are the two players who you know Barkley uh, Mountain has now has the most goals Barkley is tied for second most goals in preseason those are the two players you would want to find a way to get into any starting 11 that is going to go take on Manchester United. The only other person who would be ahead of them in the, the team sheet is N'Golo Conte, George. But I think if I'm Frank Lampard, I want to find a way to maximize both Barkley and Mount heading into that first game of the season. I think if we take it back to that 4-2-3-1 that we've seen so often, you could have Mason Mount out on the left with Ross playing behind the striker. I think that works really well, which obviously leaves that right-hand side position open. And I think Christian Pulisic would be my option in that case, in terms of what we can look for as the best 11. But I think you're right. You know, I think both players have offered all they could in preseason. For example, if we compare them to two other players who have had an opportunity to make a claim, Drinkwater and Bakayoko, there is such a stark difference in the quality, the the abundant quality that Mason Mount has at such a young age is uh, is incredible. It's exciting. And Ross, we've seen it in the Premier League before. He was proven at Everton. He's, he's had a difficult time of things at Chelsea, but he's, he's had his moments. And I think that if Frank has got any headache right now, it is, do I trust them both to play in the same team? And can Mason Mount play on the left? Because I don't think Ross can play on the left, but he certainly can play behind the striker. And can yeah. you yeah. trust him for and, a full 90? What was that, Mike? If you can trust him for a full 90. Um, I think the one interesting thing is that with the, you know the potential of rotation, maybe you give Barkley a good sixty minutes and then let Mount come in to finish off a game with you know more tired legs. It's a good flexibility. I don't know if either of them have what they need to go the full length at this point. Yeah, I mean it does bring up a really good point though, Brandon. Like we played fifty nine matches last year in all competitions. There's plenty of minutes to go around if we go deep in cup competitions. Like you would assume, even if there was a you know, a situation where it appeared that Barkley was the preferred Premier League starter and Mount was the preferred, you know, in, in the number 10 position, preferred cup competition starter. They'd both have enough minutes potentially uh, to make it worth their while. But I agree with George that, you know, we, we need goals 
period, <laughs> from whatever position we can get them. And if it's midfielders contributing 60% of our goals in the first four weeks of the season, then let's find a way to get the most midfielders on who can score goals. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I mean, obviously I didn't watch Darby last season. Did Frank rotate much? I mean, I know he probably has more depth this season than he did last. Well, his, his issue with Mount last season is Mount did get fatigued and did kind of run into some hamstring fitness that took him out of a couple of games. But gotcha. Frank did not rotate extremely heavily. Like he did kind of make some, you know, kind of tried to keep the center back pairing very situated, did those situationally try to make some adjustments. Yeah, I think the concern I would have more is like over a hundred and almost 80 matches for Everton, you know, Ross Barkley only has 27 goals. So like if we're talking about where the goals are coming from, I mean, his best season saw 12 goals and Mason Mount last season had, you know, 11 goals, five assists across all competitions. So again, that's a championship. So we'll caveat it appropriately. Yeah. But if I can only fit one into the lineup, I'm probably betting more on the potential of a player like Mason, who is not not only good offensively, but also offers the defensive work rate and responsibility of that high press that I don't know if Ross would be capable to do, to the Mike's point, for that 90-minute duration. I mean, I'm interested to find out. I think this is great, you know, like you said. <laughs> uh, just the fact that, I mean, you have two guys that offer different things in that position. I mean, that's good. Frank is, it talked about just tactical adaptation and flexibility and guys that can, you know, move maybe across the front three. Maybe that's where, you know, Mason has a little bit, um, you know, of an advantage there. But, you know. Uh, well, they all do. They all have an advantage. I mean, think about it. Williams played as number 10 before. He's played as a right winger. He's played as a left winger. Pedro can clearly do the number 10 and the right wing. Pulisic has played the number 10 and the right wing predominantly, has played left side and um, in preseason, but I don't think that's where he's going to end up. And then Barkley and Mount both ha- can play deeper in midfield or they can play in the number 10. Like there's a lot of different combinations that you can throw together there with tactically flexible players that, you know, should we have injuries or should we, you know, need to spell somebody for a match or two that I think you can find another combo that works there. I mean, that's, you just look at the, the types of players that we have there and they may not be, you know, every single player that we'd want, you know, if, if we had a normal transfer window, but you have a lot of flexibility, I think. Well, uh, we'll definitely have time to see um, a lot of games. I think, you know, we talked about the transfer band and the opportunities it presents to these players coming back from loan or coming in from the academy is there's going to be minutes that need to be filled. Like this first team, this, you know, 14 players can't play over 50 matches again. So um, it's a great opportunity for them. So the good news is we'll find out one way or another. We'll find <laughs> out between Mason and, and Ross. Um, all right, we're going to do a quick break. When we get back, we, we got to talk about uh, Kennedy. Uh, and we'll also be talking about who we think still might have time to leave, either permanent or on loan. Um, so again, real quick, we'll, we'll be right back. All right, and there it is. Kennedy is next up on the discussion lineup. Um, you know, George, full disclosure, our podcast has been hot and cold on him. But to be fair, he's kind of been hot and cold on us as well. So <laughs> Kennedy has played the most minutes under Frank in preseason. Uh, the lack of William and the late arrival Pulisic obviously helped him. So he got some chances and he scored a beautiful goal. You know, maybe a little bit of a deflection today, but took it well. So again, is he able to keep himself plugged in? 
Um, you know, once preseason ends, what do you what are your thoughts on Kennedy? I think it's always that thing with Kennedy is you look at his nationality and you think, right, he's Brazilian. There's got to be something about this guy which means that Chelsea have bought him in the first place, right? And I always they always post the same video on social media when it's like, oh, Kennedy's here. It's like that little flick he did against Norwich. You remember it? Yeah, yeah. So the, it was that. And then when you see that, it's like, okay, right, this guy knows what he's doing. But I think that putting him on the right-hand side and allowing him to cut in, I almost, in, in a video of mine recently, I very almost made a comparison to Iron Robin, which would have been a disastrous thing to say. Um, Boy. But <laughs> yeah, no, just don't, don't get me started there. I won't even begin that one. Um, but I think if we look at him on the right-hand side, I don't see him as a left-back or a left-wing back. I don't really see him on the left. I don't see him as a striker. So I think having him as an option on the right is actually not a bad squad player to have because you've always got that opportunity for a moment of brilliance. And maybe the biggest thing challenge is going to be trying to carry him. And, you know, we, you know, because ultimately we're going to have to figure out squad composition. We're going to have to figure out can we carry Kennedy along with some other players. You know, we have, you know, Polisic now joins as a foreign player for the Champions League. So like that's going to affect some of our squad construction. But I think the the thing, Nick, that concerns me the most is that there are times where he just almost looks like he the light switch goes on and off. And like, yes, I'm going to be great for this period of time. And then I hit a little bit of a diversity in the match. And now I've turned my light switch off. Yeah, there's there's not the, I think, energy required constantly to make it happen. And I'm not... I'm not even saying that you know he should be in Golo Conte because no one could be in in Golo Conte uh, in terms of just constantly chasing and making you know people nervous and dispossessing. But you know if you're going to play on that right wing, the you know one of the things George we've talked about in a four two three one is that the wingers have to track back and and play defensively, um, unlike the four three three where you can kind of leave them further forward. So. His ability, I'm not worried about his ability going forward. I think he has all the all the talent in the world to to take people on and to obviously shoot from the left. But I, you know, I do worry about him in the other aspects of his game, which are you know not getting super frustrated and kind of abandoning his defensive responsibilities. And like I, you know, if I was Frank and I was looking at that and I've seen it, you know, not only in previous film, but I'm seeing it right now in real life, that would really worry me. I think he's got one chance. And I, I think he if, he if he goes out on loan again now, he can wave goodbye to his Chelsea career. I think, obviously, we mentioned about the, the homegrown quota that we need going forward for the Premier League squad, the 25-man, and also the Champions League squad. I think if we're looking at... I've actually got a list in front of me right now because I've been trying to like work it out myself <laughs> as to who I want to be in my foreign players... And for me, there's there's one person who's got to go, and it's it's either Bakayoko or Kennedy. And if I had to put, if I had to throw a player in for like a wild card punt, I would put Kennedy in there just because it's unpredictable. But like we saw today, like when he brings it in on that left foot, he has a go from outside the box. He tried it a couple of times against Barcelona. And if the player's got that confidence, it only takes one of them to go in for him to keep trying to do that. And I think something we've missed at Chelsea is somebody who isn't afraid to shoot from outside the box. And if Kennedy's that guy, he's not exactly a bad player to go back on. So, Mike, uh, bringing it back to at Sub C, he is making way too big of an appearance in this podcast. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he's had so many good points this did. week. Especially talking about Kennedy, he said, there is definitely a player in Kennedy. When he's not up to it, he doesn't run, he has a poor first touch, and he makes bad decisions. When he is up to it, 
the same time when he caught Mourinho's eye, he can run an awful lot for an attacker, long and short distances. He has a powerful shot and can retain under pressure. He's versatile. Um, I guess, Mike, which way do you lean on Kennedy? Um, do you think we're going to see more of the good Kennedy or more of the bad Kennedy if he stays? I would love to see the good Kennedy, but to me, it's really, he reminds me of, you know, growing up guys that play, it's a maturity level issue to me. Um, he, he wants to show up and play in games. He doesn't want to put in the hard work and the practice. And, and I think that when we're looking at a, a roster with a Conte, with a Pulisic, with a Mount, and with some of these younger, hungry guys, um, I don't know if he's going to have room because, again, I also feel like some of the, the newer life that we're bringing into the squad, they're not afraid to shoot either. So um, unless you're willing to do the work, I don't think putting in that occasional goal is going to be, to me, enough to differentiate him, and I think he's definitely on the outside looking in. Uh, I think Frank has given him the most minutes because I don't know if he's fully decided on, you know, it's like a coin flip, right? So I don't expect this to be a breakout year for Kennedy. Still 23. So, again, I know he's been around Chelsea for a few years now. Uh, we got him when he was really young, and, you know, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of maturity and growth in there. Uh, a couple seasons at Newcastle. And, you know, they kind of flip and flop on on how on if he's having a good day or not. So we'll have to see. Um, but definitely today, obviously, was one of the good days. So it was worth talking to about him and, and bringing him up, obviously. Well, one thing to consider, too. So if he if he did go out on loan, we would probably want to make sure that we signed to a contract extension because Chelsea's it's not going to let him run out the end of his contract and send him on loan. And then I think the other thing is if you look at squad composition, there were points of the season last year. Pedro was injured and unavailable. I mean, William is recovering from an Enoch right now. Pulisic's first season in the Premier League could be a concern. So I think from a squad depth situation and just to, from, you know, Callum coming off of a major health concern, he's probably a candidate to stay more from a depth situation than anything else, even if he's not going to get used a ton. I would just want to have depth in that area because if we're going to use three attackers or two wingers in 40, 50 matches – you can bet that somebody's going to get injured and he might need to contribute some minutes. Yeah, it looks like Kennedy and William are both in the last 12 months of their contract. So that's going to have to be something we pay attention to, um, see if you can get something out of it. So you're, you're right on that. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and talk uh, about players we think almost without a doubt or, or ones that we think have more than a 50% chance of leaving Chelsea permanently or on loan before the preseason's up. Um I, look, I I have no agenda here. I have a couple names that we can test the waters with. Um, but if you guys have people you want to bring into this, by all means, let's do it. If if you for some reason think Kepa needs to go, let's let's talk about it. And, <laughs> no, and why does this say is. Brandon's agenda slash hatred yeah. against players in the script? True. That's actually what it says. Yeah. Uh, well, look, let's go back to Bakayoko George. Um, there were rumors that he had already had a loan lined up to PSG. This summer, um, he, you know, it's. I'm disappointed. I feel like we haven't seen the Bakioka that was on loan at AC Milan. I don't know if it's a formation. I don't know if it's a system. I don't know if he just doesn't like London. But it seems like he's not going to be around. We haven't seen the multiple player of the match Milan player that they got on loan. Do you know what, Brandon? I think it's when we're talking about a player maybe leaving Chelsea that everybody's kind of in the same boat as, it's like, yeah, we, we can let him go. We don't need him. But he's, if he's talking about a loan to Paris Saint-Germain, a team who are 
desperate to win the Champions League. Like, are we missing something? Right. Is there something that we just don't see in Bakayoko? Because I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Well, he also didn't see who he should be passing to today because I think there were four <laughs> or five times where he passed directly to the opposition, and it was just. It almost became comical. It felt like it should have like just a, a humorous note or backing track to it. I, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think we're. Yeah, I honestly sex. don't think we're missing anything. I think you know he did have a great season in Milan, except for the outburst and kind of maybe a little bit of falling out. They obviously crash out of Champions League position, so now they're back in a financial concern. Can't sign him to a full deal, and he has just not looked up for it in the same way that. Even Danny Drinkwater looks like he's putting forward more effort than Bakayoko is right now. And Daniel Drinkwater has been one of the most made fun of signings that we've made in quite some time. So, you know, you you hope that potentially by putting Bakayoko in a situation where he feels supported, where he feels like he like maybe he did in Milan where he knew that he was going to be on the team sheet and inspired some confidence in him, Nick. But it I don't feel like right now he's shown us anything other than that he maybe shouldn't play because this could be hurting his chances to go on alone somewhere. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, we, we think back to when we did keep sell alone at the beginning of June and he was a guy that we were all like, yeah, we should keep him, you know, like, especially when you can't sign players, you know, you, you need to keep all the talent that you have. And, you know, he looked like he was regaining confidence last year in Syria and, all this stuff, and then you watch him play in the midfield too, and you want to claw your eyes out. You're like, what? What? What are you doing? Like, there is no movement. There is very little energy for a guy who's a physical specimen, stud athlete. Like, he's really good. Like, I just, I don't understand how easy passes go missing so frequently, and then. I, I don't really understand what he does tracking back defensively, which is scary because that was like part of his calling card when he was at Monaco was that he was a destroyer, you know, not not in the same vein as an Angola Conte, but he was just a really great all around midfield player. And I don't feel like we've ever seen that maximized, Mike. And and I would I think I'd be happy to see him go at this point. Yeah, I mean what we saw it once against Tottenham and then from there it's kind of been downhill. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think we're all in the same spot. I, I think he very well could go. Um, there's just a little part of me that says, you know, this is preseason. I know he has played like hot garbage. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> when, it, when it, when it comes down, when, you know, when we're looking in a situation of potentially, you know, who knows what's going on with Conte's knee. I know he's probably be back soon, but it's, it's a bit of the Kennedy conundrum in which, you know, Kennedy is at least a Premier League player. Is he maybe a Chelsea quality player? I don't know, but when we can't bring anyone else in, you know, maybe somehow Bakioka could pull his head out and figure something out. But I don't think we'll see him. But again, from a depth position, God, man, to have his size and his ability to be able to be there just in case, uh, or or even for cup competitions for rotation, it would be so nice for him to actually be able to play a little bit of football at this well, point. So what's interesting is like, you know, George, how bad did we strike out when out of the three Monaco players that came out of that amazing side, City get Bernardo Silva, Liverpool get Fabinho, and we end up with Bakayoko? We, we clearly lost that one. PSG with Mbappe. I mean, we picked the wrong piece out of that puzzle. 
<laughs> At least he has a good it's song, true. though. The Bakayoko song was great until we realised that there's never, ever been a Chelsea song with lyrics that are just so not true. <laughs> <laughs> He always gives the flipping ball away. The best one was the game in Ireland where it's like he looked up and he actually passed it to Lampard. It's like, yeah, I know. He's a great midfielder, isn't he? Like, you should always try and find your midfield compatriots who are actually good at football. But no, he's the manager backer. Come on. What are you doing? No, I've... You know what, Nick? I'm, I've had enough of him and I'm ready to see him yeah. go. He, he was such a, a marauding box-to-box midfield Monaco. I think that's probably what PSG looks back is like maybe he just didn't settle in London, but we know he can do it in France. I think that's Mike's point. He hasn't proven it here. And I think that's a common thing, right? Like a player can be good in continental Europe, but the English Premier League is different. It, it is just inherently different and some players cannot adapt to it. And, and that's a thing. Um, talking about the next one in Drinkwater, uh, a guy who has played more football in the last two weeks than he has in the last 14 months. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm not going to, I don't really see a lot of value in having him around, but at the same time, that's because we haven't seen him in, you know, since a lot Antonio Conte, essentially. Um, Nick, is there anything that, that any reason or role that we should keep you know, drink water. Everyone always compares him to his wages, right? He's on huge wages. And when he doesn't play, I think people hold that against him. Yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't, though. He didn't make his wages. The club did. Um, the club thought they were buying a stopgap solution in the, you know, kind of 11th hour. And, you know, I think we can all realize that mistakes were made. <laughs> you know, this isn't this isn't the guy that is going to play consistently for Chelsea. And when you look at having in his position alone, having Jorginho, having Golo Conte, uh, and having uh, Mateo Kovacic, who we just bought, uh, knowing that Ruben is coming back at some point, and you know Mason Mount can fill in, Barkley can fill in, like you, there's there's no need for a Daniel Drinkwater on this squad, and you know I didn't even think he played that poorly today, to be honest with you. I think he was actually, you know, again. I don't mean this demeaningly. He was trying really hard. It just it isn't the quality that I think is is going to be required. And you know, unfortunate for him that he's playing in a position, Dan, that uh, Frank Lampard played in, <laughs> and and I, I think uh, probably has a pretty good idea of what he's looking for there. Yeah, it, the midfield is the one area where it seems to be the embarrassment of riches right now, where we can go to a midfield three we can go to a diamond four we have the luxury of having multiple different midfielders to choose from but when you look at that depth chart daniel drinkwater is just above bakayoko which is not saying much in terms of where that ranking is you know you would hope you would i think it's chelsea hoped that bringing back him back in, maybe get the magic of Conte and Drinkwater back together. It's a midfield pairing that won the league in a spectacular fashion, but the magic has just never been able to be replicated outside of his own trolling of himself and his last name on social media. Like that's the best thing he's been able to do since he's been at Chelsea. And, uh, and the one, the one goal that he got that was uh, quite exceptional. But beyond that, it's, uh, it's quite unfortunate I mean, it seems like he's a nice guy. It seems like he's nice to, you know, it seems like the team has fun with him from the way that the photos portray it. But, you know, ultimately we need people who are going to be high level contributors to the squad. And it, you know, he would be very easy to move on from. George, are we picking on your 
your your English <laughs> national team pool player? Are we being too hard as Americans? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I completely agree. And it's not like there isn't already an abundance of English talent coming through at Chelsea. So if anybody is like down the bottom of my favorite English player pecking order at Chelsea, I think drink water might well be at the bottom of that one as well. And again, it's like, I completely agree with what Dan says. It's not that he isn't a likable character, but at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about a business that is is considered a success if you deliver on the pitch, not if you're nice in photos, you know what I mean? So for me, I think, again, if you're just above Bakayoko in that pecking order, then it's not exactly something that us Chelsea fans can get excited about. So so we shouldn't have sent you that number six England kit with drink water on the back then? <laughs> oh, I'd be highly grateful. I will stick it on the wall behind me for all of my future videos to remind me to stay hydrated when I speak there to you. There it is. Boom. Mike, you're a last hope. You going to stick up for, for drink water? No, no. I had high hopes. I thought he could have done a spell, especially when Sesk was struggling. But, you know, he... It's like he ate the lasagna. Any time that he was needed, he was either injured or sick. <laughs> and um, it's just, it's been tough because he really, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been able to at least been a little bit of a journeyman and, and done a little bit of something with the club overall. And I think it's just disappointing and I wish him the best, but he needs to uh, get off our wage sheet. Um, 150,000 pounds is a lot a week uh, to run an Instagram account. So I'll do that for Chelsea for a whole lot less. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely probably a big gap in between where you're at and where he's at that they could then reinvest that in other areas. Um, all right, next one, uh, Fikeo Tomori. Again, I don't think this has anything to do with him. It's more of a, his development stage, especially if we you assume that we have Christensen, Rudiger, David Luiz, and Zuma. I mean, he's number five. He's kind of the odd man out in this situation. Um, you know, the thought, I think George was, oh, you know, he played with Frank at Derby. He knows Frank. He knows the system. But again, when you go from Derby to Chelsea, there's already established players there ahead of him in the pecking order. So I guess, do you think a loan moves right for him? Or do you think maybe one of the other four center backs should be moved on to make way for him? No, I think you said it. There's four ahead of him in center back. And then you also look at Reese James coming back, who everyone's very excited about. And then you could also argue that Azpilicueta can move into a center back position. So maybe he's sixth in the pecking order. And I think you're right. It's it's nothing to do with his talent. It's nothing to do with the way he's played. No one's slating him as a footballer. It's simply at that age and with that lack of top flight experience, I 100% think if we can get him out on loan to like one of the newly promoted Premier League clubs with a guarantee of minutes, I think that's the best move for him. Send him to Villa. Let Send JT everyone work to Villa. with him. You know? What a great centre-back mentor. Yeah. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Any, any other feedback, I guess, from you guys on the pod side of Tamori? Pretty straightforward. I, I mean, he's he's a better ball player than Zuma. I, I again watched Zuma really struggle to make clean passes today, and I I get it. I'm gonna be that guy, but when you look at the passing fluidity of David Luiz, and then it comes to Zuma, and it's bungled to the next nearest person. I mean, he had a a hit back at coming today that I was like, oh my god, like you're putting this. The poor kid who's out for like two minutes in a really tough spot. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah. So I, I love Zuma. I hope his passing improves. Otherwise, Tamori's going to lap him next year because it's just not I think good enough. Two things with that. I would say one, 
trying to compare any of our center backs passing to Dava Louise is pretty much a failure because Louise or Christensen, is, well, they're both good. And uh, Rudiger's right behind him. Like Louise like Louise him. is like college professor. Um will say that maybe Christensen is is like a student of in his class, and then Rudiger is maybe like you know a high school teacher, <laughs> and then you know that, that that's kind of where we're at from a passing perspective. Like it's not fair to kind of like apples to oranges this because Louise is just a naturally gifted footballer in a lot of different ways, and passing is one of those. None of our center backs pass as well as he does, and then I would say beyond that, I would actually say that you know I think the the issue. Similar to Alonzo when he runs, Zuma looks down a lot when he is kind of running and looking to pass. And I think optically, it creates a conf- like it looks like he, he's like confused, but he's just making sure he's like on the ball to play it. And I don't necessarily know if he's as bad at passing as as we tend to say that he is. Just wanted to say I, that. wait if, I if, if I can bad. if I can jump in here as a professional soccer player, you shouldn't be looking at your feet. As a 10-year-old, you shouldn't be looking at your feet. I mean, Brandon, you and I have played our whole lives. Like, you you don't need to look down to know where the ball is, especially if you're the one who's dribbling with it. Like that to me, that's that's it's it's unacceptable. And and I think the the bigger worry for us from our center backs today was that was the goals we conceded from set pieces. Because what we've talked about with Zuma is his ability in the air and the garbage we let in on, I think was it the second goal? The, it was just a backdoor tap in or the third, third goal. Yeah. In I mean, come on. Like Again, we're we're not gonna stack up to Louise. Like Louise's pass to Emerson in the in the second half. Uh, Louise was basically saying, not only am I gonna give you the best pass there is, but I'm telling you where to run. Like he bounced it in front of it. You know, like it was the perfect. Like I want you to go here, run onto the ball, and carry this forward. You know, so I, I just think that Zuma needs to. I don't know. We we are going to struggle at at center back this season and it's going to be ugly i think uh, i'm very much i know we think that rudiger's been somewhat unseated but we need him back as soon as possible because i'm not convinced that zuma christensen or tamori can step up and play especially those short run of games that we have against united liverpool um even Leicester, it, it's it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We all want Rudiger back. Like, dude's a beast. He balls when he's out there. And uh, we've all seen him dance in the locker room. So we need that that vibe, that swagger back. He brings it. Uh, last one, Zappacosta. You, you brought it up. We're all excited to see Reese James back. I think we've almost kind of forgotten about the poor guy because he hasn't been there in preseason. Um, I think it was at Carefree Youth tweeted today that he's out of his cast. So he is on to the next step of his rehabilitation. But before that, I mean, wasn't – he was definitely Wiggins Player of the Year, Championship Defender of the Year, something. He won a huge award last season. Yeah, he was. He, he got the most amount of the matches, I think, for a defender. And then he also was in the Player of the Year – the Team of the Year, sorry. Um, and I think he won Wiggins Player of the yep. Year as well. So he's like – he's racking up the accolades. And I, I saw somewhere the other day where – Somebody, somebody, I can't remember who it was in the Chelsea online community made a statement saying that if Reese James is given the opportunity at Chelsea, he could have the same impact for Chelsea as Trent Alexander-Arnold has had for Liverpool. And it, it was somebody who, whose opinion I respected and I thought, you know what, it's the only issue with Chelsea is will he be given the time? Will he be given the games? And from the highlight reels that I've seen, and I, I won't lie, I didn't watch a lot of football from Wigan last season, but from what I did see... 
we're not just talking about a player who's quick who can get round the back. Like sometimes with fullbacks, it's like, oh, he's he's pacey, is he? Great, he's got good statistics on FIFA, wonderful. But he looks like a player who was playing way above his maturity level, way above his age. And if he's if he's given minutes in this team, and you know, let's let's not argue with it. We're we're a Champions League football club. If Reese James can get minutes in this Chelsea team, he could be Chelsea's right back for the foreseeable future. And then we're talking about Zappa Costa again. It's like, well, I, I, I've always given the guy a hard time because I don't think he does his job. Like, yes, he's a footballer, but he's a defender, but he can't defend. Right. So I just, I don't see how Zappa Costa can be ahead of Reese James in that right back position. I just don't think it's possible, even though Reese James is so young. I, you know, I, and I think, you know, whatever if you want to say, Zappa Costa was a wing back at Torino before he came in. Whatever, Dan. Splitting hairs, you still got to do your I'm, job. I'm not going to split hairs about it. Um, I mean, he, yeah, had a, he had a, Remember his Schross, his, his shot cross against Carabag right away, and he scored. And we're like, <laughs> here we go, big time signing. Uh, and then it's just been not, not yeah, the same. We, we got we got fleeced by Torino, who we bought Zappacosta from for thirty plus million euros, and we sold him Olena for ten. So. We, we, we were the loser in that transaction. Not often that we lose transfers, but that one we absolutely lost to that club. Yeah, Zabacasa at some point should be moved on. Obviously, I think uh, Lazio was an option in January, but we weren't able to get the deal over the line due to some wages. So hopefully we can find him a landing spot and move on to make room for Reese James and Azpilicueta to battle it out this season because I think that would be a really, really interesting opportunity for for both players to be pushed you know we saw it when emerson came in and it made alonzo better for some stretches you know competition just raises everybody's game and asbulacueta looked really great today and so it'd be great to continue to see him rise and if that makes reese james even better then we we all win yeah i was gonna say when you look at the players in the shop window section outside of tamori who i think we're all excited about just maybe not right right now uh, Conte was given some really interesting ingredients to work with in his final season. And, uh, you know, I, after all the you know shenanigans that went on, it's, it's tough to feel too bad for a guy that just got paid $10 million to leave. <laughs> um, but, but boy, uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of talent here to work with. And, uh, you know, it's probably best that, that we move on from that class at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up real quick. Uh, we did have a man of the match poll, I guess, now that Game of Thrones is over, that that's gone. We're, we're back to normal, normalcy now. Yeah, we're not doing brand of the match anymore? Mm-hmm. All right. No, no, we, we, <laughs> well, we, we ended that. All right, Dan, run us through your Dan of the match poll from today's match. Yeah, left it up to two. It was either Ross the Boss or Mace the Brace. And Mace the Brace Mount, 78%. And uh, I think it was uh, deserving. And I see, you know, for those listening, Nick, this is how you do that. George was nodding his head when I said Mace the Brace. So I feel like, George, you thought that was the right call. That was good. That, I, I was I was going to laugh. And then I thought, no, that's nothing to laugh at. That is good. <laughs> he's he's laughing at I you, Dan. I appreciate not with you. Very, very Please good. Please don't empower him. Um, the, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I will say this. Uh, Mason... Uh, capitalized on two really uh, fortunate opportunities. Ross's goal was pure class, and I think there is a, I think there's a significant difference between ability and in, in the goals that were scored there. And it's not to take anything away from Mason, who I thought played really well in the second half, but um, Ross was also teamed up with 
a little a little less quality in the first half too. So hundred percent. Um, overall, yeah, those are the only two options. I, I think I might have given it to Ross personally, but I usually. Uh, go against Dan and whatever I can do. So yeah, contrarian Nick, it's okay. Keep yep. it alive. Well, uh, again, George, <laughs> thanks so much for jumping on the podcast with us, a first time guest. Uh, hopefully, it's one of many. I hope so. This has been fun. I really enjoyed this. Thank you very much, gents. Good. Well, welcome back. Uh, we're excited to follow your trip. Uh, you know, now that you're you're kind of being able to go to matches again. Um, so we will direct our followers to you so they can watch your journey as well. Um, and to our listeners, a huge thank you as always for listening to us. We, we super appreciate it. Uh, but until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.